plan A start. Like we started out getting to know each other through these forums, like Reddit, and what we've noticed. There's this big one now. Like it's even, it's much bigger than Reddit, whatever was. Uh, that's on Facebook, and it's called like Subtle Asian Traits. And there's all these like splinter groups, like Subtle Asian Dating, Subtle Asian This, Subtle Asian That. And, and, and are there like subtle non-Asian things too? Like people have been kind of making their own subtle. Oh, is that right? I thought I heard something like that. Like, like I would be surprised. Subtle Indian traits, or oh yeah, like yeah, that? yeah. I, I'm sure that that's going on. Um, there's just so many people, from what I understand. Like it's just so much bigger. Like the scale of it on Facebook is so much bigger than Reddit. Oh, oh, oh it's actually called subtle curry traits. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard of that. <laughs> I've yeah, heard of that yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. I mean, you know what? That's like the perfect name because like it's it's. It's a lot of like self-deprecating, sort of gentle self-deprecating humor. It's a lot of younger people. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's... one thing one thing that's weird about that to me is like, in you hear a lot of talk about how Facebook is dead or it's just all like uh, normies or whatever. It's kind of interesting that uh, there's a group that is still kind of uh, driving on Facebook. Facebook kind of has gotten uh, forgotten as like a serious place for like discourse or whatever. I feel like everyone has kind of gone to uh, Twitter, but at the same time, Twitter has kind of become like a cesspool. Like I think it's, I think probably <laughs> Facebook's probably the only place you could probably do something like this that's kind of benign and not as poison. You know what I mean? Yeah, but and but you, though I have, uh, I actually have a couple friends who work um, at Facebook groups, like in that groups department. And they were saying that like the subtle Asian network is like, it's pretty... It's actually a pretty significant driver of face of Facebook traffic now. So the party might be over for, for Facebook, but this this particular one is raging. So I, I think it's a kind of a exception to the uh, rule. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the exception that proves the rule, like, like the fact that this is the only exception everyone can point to, <laughs> is more reinforcement that the rule is uh, true. Because yes, subtle Asian traits is like the only Facebook group I've seen profiles on in the mainstream media, like in the past uh, two years or so. Like no one talks about people talk about new Reddits all the time and you know, for better or worse, but subtle Asian dating is like the only Facebook group that I know has gotten any like mainstream buzz. Yeah. And then it, it, I think at some point, subtle Asian dating was shut down by Facebook. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know exactly why, but it got re restored pretty, pretty quickly. And that's when I started like kind of asking my friends who work at Facebook, like what was going on? And they said, oh, it was like a kind of a mix up. Actually, Facebook was really concerned about it because it's actually like a significant driver. I was like, really? I just thought it was like some one of like another, you know, one of the medium sized groups or whatever. They're like, no, it's actually pretty significant. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. I uh, for the uninitiated, can you uh, explain what the differences between subtle Asian traits and subtle Asian dating? And Oh, so subtle Asian traits is I think the the mother, the whole group. <clears throat> it's kind of like we're Asian diaspora. It's not just Asian Americans, but it's like basically like Asian diaspora in Australia. I think it started in Australia. Uh, and it's all like, you know, these Asian kids who probably previously didn't really feel connected to any sort of like ethnic type forum that was like Asian specific. And then this thing that was started by a couple college students in Melbourne, I think, uh, it just, things just blew, blew up and they started doing memes. Like it was the first time you saw like Asian American memes and stuff, you know? And so it, it just became that spicy meme factory. And um, then uh, I, it, it 
from there, I think, uh, you know, people started creating kind of more sli slightly specialized subsidiary groups. And I think one of the bigger ones that came out was something called Subtle Asian Dating, which was kind of a joke site that kind of parodied like you would basically like the, the format of the post. If I, under, I I'm actually not a part of these groups, but like you go in and you post the picture of a friend that you're trying to auction off to as a date, you know, like a like a date auction thing. And it's just kind of meant to be funny, you know. Um, it's not like an actual dating site as far as I know, but it, it's kind of like that. That That's basically what it is. And there's a whole bunch of other ones, subtle Asian leftovers for like older people, subtle Asian, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. It's a whole fuck. It's a whole thing. Got, got it. And as, and dating and traits, I'm not sure I fully understand. So I don't know the origin of the term. Okay. Okay. I mean, and dating is where you, you, you know, dating uh, is where you, you, you show a, you know, you auction, uh, auction off a friend for as a joke. I mean, there's no, it's oh, no okay. real auction. So, yeah. so, so, so dating is the fake option. And then traits is just what memes it's like Asian memes. American, Asian diaspora memes, you know, about like how, you know, like a, a typical joke would be like how, you know, your home. And it's like a picture of couches covered in plastic, you know, like mm. that kind of thing. And you're like, oh, okay, every, gotcha. you know, or, so, or like that one calendar that like every Chinese family has hanging on the fridge, you know, like so, sort of like identifying sort of common cultural markers of dias, you know, Asian diaspora families. And for the most part, you know, it was pretty lighthearted and, uh, you know, um, quick, thing, mm -hmm. quick thing. Are you on like a laptop mic or something there's like a slight background noise oh that's my heater you... that's my heater sorry oh okay I, yeah, okay. yeah yeah it's my yeah i can't turn it off <laughs> okay all right i, I yeah. just wanted to see what it was okay yeah is the is the facebook is the facebook thing uh how do you think being on facebook changes the um tone because i feel like i mean i don't have a facebook account but i assume just by i can't imagine things being worse uh facebook i imagine has to be somewhat more benign than um Reddit or Twitter. I think it's more, I think it's benign. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, it's really about people trying to have some fun, uh, lighthearted fun. Like there's a specific tone to it where it's meant to not be serious. It's meant to be not necessarily constructive, but like nice. Like it's supposed to be a nice experience as opposed you, to Twitter and Reddit, which can be pretty traumatic. And, and, and you, <laughs> you, can, you can probably curate the people better. I'm guessing on Facebook. Yeah. Too. Like if they're closed groups, right? So like you have to get like, you know, you have to get, properly vetted and i mean they, they probably don't do too careful i mean there's like freaking 11 yeah there's like over there's like millions of people in there so like i mean it's probably but, like a, a but, but it's, it's like community police probably where people yes, if there's enough yeah. people complain about somebody they can kick the person out and stuff like that yeah yeah which is kind of what i wanted to ask you about here so because so so with the there, there are certain things like us having come from reddit and kind of seeing the sort of group dynamics online, certain patterns started emerging in the subtle Asian groups that were not all that different than what was seen as Reddit. Like eventually it kind of reverts to the norm. And the problem always seems to be <clears throat> the inclusion of white people, specifically white guys who post in there. And uh, the this is a very long way around of getting to this phenomenon that I've noticed which is that if you get enough Asian people into a group to have like open forum discussions, eventually the discussion will converge on the issue of white male, Asian female couples. Uh, it's inevitable. Uh, there's, there's just, just like, you could just, you could see it coming and you, you, you can always see like how there are certain, um, 
there's certain things that arise, certain moderation behaviors that seem to favor uh, someone or whatever. Arguments will arise. Then you get posters who are a little bit more, you know, uh, let's say uh, uncensored. And eventually it, it, it reverts to this conversation. This is what happened on Reddit. Um, a discussion about the propensity, the, the just sort of like the widespread uh, ubiquity of cup, you know, couples where it's a white guy and an Asian girl. And like, it's just, it's just everywhere. And, you know, it's a long, it's a long history of that on Reddit and on Twitter and now on Facebook. And the reason I wanted to ask you about it is because you and I went to go see that movie Burning, where you first kind of explicated this whole Jungian thing of, you know, it's like kind of like a trinity, right? It's like, I think it's, you usually have a character, it's the Fight Club trinity. It's going to be like a guy and he's kind of like, you know, a lovable loser kind of thing. And then he's got like a man and a woman sort of appear in his life sort of around the same time they form, they sort of represent, I think you were saying that the woman kind of represents what's called an anima projection, which is um, sort of the projected embodiment of, of the feminine characteristics of the man, of the lovable of the guy. And then another sort of idealized, um, I think it was like Hornet's thing, uh, the idealized self, sort of a projected image of this sort of idealized person and i guess that's the tyler durden or the steven yun in burning and the more i thought about the nature of like how this asian male fixation on the white male asian female couple started to feel a bit and just like what me looking at comments and kind of thinking through my own feelings about it and trying to decipher what other people were feeling about it through their comments i started wondering if that that model, that Jungian model that you had briefly explained to me, would have any application here uh, in terms of this appearance of a man and a woman as the object of a kind of fixation slash projection of like a man. Uh, I, I don't know if that's going to go anywhere as a topic, but I, I just wanted to throw that out there because it kind of made some rudimentary sense. I just don't know enough about it to really think about it anymore. So I was like, I, I should um, ask, I should ask you. <laughs> um, can you can you explain what you say? What you're saying? You think rep is represented by that mm. Jungian dynamic? You're, you're saying that the um, the idea of the Asian male perception online within these Asian groups kind of neatly in a way kind of falls into um, that, that story type. It kind of does because the, the, the man, the, I, I don't know what the, the idealized self, right. Which is the Tyler Durden or the Steven Yun in that Trinity. Uh, if I understand what, and I read up a little bit more about it and, and I've thought about it since we've talked about it a while ago. Um, it, it's, it's interesting because in this case, if we were to take this, seriously, um, it's a white man. And one thing you'll see in these discussions is that there's always a branch of, they fall into categories, right? There's, there's certain factions that arise in these discussions. And there's always a faction of Asian guys who are accused of, and in some ways are defensive of the idea that they should be able to have equal status as white men. And therefore, for example, they want to see more Asian men dating white women. They want to see more Asian men. But, but it's always couched on this idea that an Asian man should, you know, 
really have the same uh it should really kind of like come to embody the same set of privilege i don't know i don't want to use the word privileges but like i mean i think it kind of is a privilege if uh you're thinking about uh sexual privileges dating privileges i guess yes yeah i mean it's going to be focused around that you know it's it's all it's all couched on sexual and dating and social social status type things you know yeah yeah it's a a weird thing to call a privilege i kind of know what you mean because Mm -hmm. then you're kind of implying that uh being with the white person is a privilege you know but <laughs> yeah, yeah but, exactly. but the sad thing is and this is the sad thing that i think it's important to say because i think for a lot of people they really do think that way some people will say the quiet part out loud mm. and some people won't but i think even if it's to uh discount the idea i think there is a value to kind of saying um out loud that there is that premise that some people approach this with that uh being able to date a white person is a privilege yeah, and 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 also privilege that specific embody specifically embodied as something that the white man is allowed to do, but that the Asian man is prevented from doing. And there's always this talk. I mean, there's a real fixation. And I'm not trying to minimize any of this, you know. Like I I take well, all this well, pretty seriously, but let me ask uh, you this. Yeah, let me ask you this, right? Because mm-hmm. is the privilege that the Asian man is going for in this case is it? that he wants the privilege that the white man has or he wants the privilege that the Asian woman has? Because for, That's for, a good for, question. For, <laughs> yeah, yeah. because yeah, for, for example, in the black community, there's this thing, but it's kind of like gender reverse, but there's this kind of uh, community online of uh, these uh, black women who want uh, date white guys and they've kind of turned it into almost like a political cause similar to uh, how white incels turn... Uh, you know, being a virgin or how uh, those manosphere pickup artists turn uh, getting laid into some kind of political statement and stuff. Mm-hmm. And But for them, um, they clearly view the privileged people as um, black men. Like, they'll do threads about how uh, when they were growing up, black men, black, the black guys were so much more popular in their predominantly white high schools than the black girls, and they got to date... Um, white cheerleaders or they got to uh, make friends with the dreamy white quarterback, you know, cause they were athletes so they could rap or they had a mm-hmm. swag and, mm-hmm. uh, and the, so it's not like there's, they're thinking, Oh, we want like the white woman's privilege, you know, of dating the white guy. It's more like there's this idea that the privileged person is the black guy. He's the one who, uh, the one that we're uh, jealous of, who has like the privilege, you know, of being accepted by um, right. white people. And so, so then uh, with the Asian guy, I'm wondering, is it, uh, he, he said, because this is what I personally think. I don't think uh, white people view dating non-black people so much as a privilege, so much as a birthright, which is kind of a slightly different thing. Like, you know, because I feel like privilege is like you're getting the benefit of something. Like, you mm. know, like it's almost like someone's doing you a favor. But I think white people think they're doing the non-white person a favor. That's why I, I feel weird viewing it as a, pri- as a privilege. I don't think they think of it as a privilege they're getting to date your women. I think they think they, I, I think white people kind of think they, they deserve. It's, it's like, I mean, it's both something that, I don't know if I'm making sense, but I feel like privilege kind of, privilege kind of elevates the object um, that you're getting. Like, you know, whereas I feel like they kind of take it as a, entitlement like an afterthought that um they're allowed to um or they have premium access to um non-white bodies you're, you're saying white you're saying white men 
Uh, or white, white people in general, oh, whether it's a white woman with a non-white person. I just think they just think they have a natural birthright, a destiny or whatever, or, you know, entitlement to non, non-white bodies. Like, I don't think they really feel like it's a privilege because I, I think they view non-white bodies as cheaper or inferior anyway. Like, I feel like. Oh, um, well, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Um, I certainly agree with that. Yeah, I feel like the privilege that's probably being uh, envied is the Asian woman's uh, privilege to date white men. I feel right, like- right. So actually, I've, I think I understand what you're saying, and I, I guess what I'm trying—I say I don't know the answer, but I, yeah. I want to venture here. What's going on? One, I think it's very—I think it gets complicated because I think. Okay, let me let me phrase it a different way. Who yeah. do you think is who do you think is more envied? Uh, the white man or the Asian woman in the fixation by Asian men on Asian men, I mean, Asian women, white, white men, uh, couplings. I see. I see. That's, that's what I wanted to ask you about (laughs) because I think it is a sort of, I think the confusion over that is kind of part of the fixation. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think the inability to separate the two, uh, and the way they get intertwined is Part of the reason why the fixation even exists is what I'm trying to suggest based on what I think I understand, but also no, I don't fully understand about the, uh, the, the, the sort of Jungian, um, Trinity or whatever. I don't know if that's the right fucking term, but I'm just, I'm just saying that the, the, the male. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that the, uh, Trinity, if you were to call it that, um, is, that there's the um there's the anima slash animus there's the shadow there's the persona and then um the fourth thing i think is called like the self the self is like the integrated self where ideally you integrate everything into a cohesive um a cohesive whole like you uh become an integrated uh person but almost every uh, almost every um society or every religion or school of thought kind of has their own analog to this. Um, so it's kind of like you can almost find versions of this in in everything, whether it's like Freud's ego, super ego, id, you know, or um Alfred Adler or uh, Karen Hornay. You know, she she has like the idealized uh, self, and and that's and that's kind of a lot of times you can throw in like other people's stuff. And it still kind of works because it's not like science. Because science is like uh, everyone has to be using the same terms for it to work. You know, like one person can't call it Fahrenheit and the other person calls it civil uh, wells or something. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to be able to use everybody's. Yeah. So this uh-huh. kind of this expe- expectation. But I think a problem with psychology is like you kind of didn't evolve that way. Everyone just kind of or something with spirituality or, or, or religion. Everyone just kind of came to the same kind of similar um, ideas in a vacuum and had their own terms for it. And I think that's kind of what Joseph Campbell was trying to do when he, you know, was doing his uh, work was kind of create these common stories, these, um, you know, with these archetypes and hero's journey. Like the idea, and Campbell did his work based on Jung because Jung uh, created the idea of archetypes. But archetypes and all that stuff is kind of this idea that the same ideas appear in different disciplines and different uh, religions and different mythologies. And there's yeah. some kind of... Uh, what, un- what I'm suggesting thing. is that... Mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm suggesting or wondering is whether that pattern yeah. is showing itself in these Asian forums 
and thus sort of suggesting that maybe there is something to that the the articulation of that pattern, whether it's Jung or whether it's something else. Yeah, um, exactly. What, yeah. What, what I'm trying to say is more than likely it probably is because I just think we're trained to naturally almost see that narrative in things or put things into that narrative just to make it uh, make sense. Like, I, I don't want to use the word like genetically programmed, but let's say culturally programmed or something. There's something universal about these patterns, maybe because it actually exists. So, of course, I think it's part of human nature. Them. Yeah, I think it's exactly. part of human nature. And um, what I'm seeing, though, is like, uh, like take, I guess Fight Club is probably better, better known. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's a great, you know, representation of this, but I think the broad outlines are probably there that Ed Norton being the sort of like lovable loser kind of guy, like he's a decent human being, you know, but like the decent side of him is not particularly confident. And, um, and like he has this sort of weird relationship with this Tyler Durden fellow where he's like both disgusted and sort of wants to keep a certain distance, but at the same time, is completely fascinated and kind of wants to be like he he realizes that Tyler Durden has is confident in the way that he isn't and exhibits a certain kind of care sort of carefree like existence you know free of all of the uh uh you know inhibitions constraints yeah Yeah. um he's uninhibited he's unconstrained but at the same time he's also kind of like Ed Norton is a little bit put off by him, right? Like he's kind of like skeptical of him yet fascinated at the same time. Is that kind yeah, of, uh, um, mm-hmm. I, I just sent you a link that I think is a pretty good, um, breakdown of the different, different things. So you, mm-hmm. you can take a look at it, but, uh, persona is what, um, Edward Norton would be in, in the, in that thing. And you don't have to be, um, a lovable loser like like a persona could be anything like for example from the vantage point of say it was a story where um tyler durden was the real guy and the first person protagonist or stephen yoon's character in burning was the first person uh or you know the protagonist viewpoint character in that case he would be the persona the lovable loser might be his shadow like like the roles aren't necessarily locked like like basically um as you can see in the description, the persona is kind of who you believe you have to be, the front that you have to put up to um, operate in the world. Like, this is what you, it's your mask. A persona is like your mask, like the mask you feel you have to wear. So uh, a Tyler Durden or Steven Yoon might be, you know, inside their mind, somebody else or want to be someone else, but they're wearing this mask. And um, like like your false self could be uh, what, what, what Hornet had um uh her false self i think is analogous to young's uh shadow but uh she said there were two false selves the idealized false self and the despised false self and most people have both uh some people have one more prominent than the other i think most people do like so for like a narcissist or something the idealized false self might be more presenting or more you know uh, at the forefront, whereas for a codependent one, like the um, the uh, subjugated or uh, despised false self, might be more uh, prominent and uh, presenting. And and I, I'm just saying this to say, like it it doesn't have to necessarily be uh, always the lovable loser that is the 
the mask or the persona or the oh i see yeah no yeah. but i think i think it is instructive in a way because i think these particular types of personas are culturally relevant exactly um, you know what i mean so i do think yeah i mean like the pattern may be more general than that but in this day and age and in like you know the sort of living in america at that age as a man this is the uh, kind of persona that we see yeah. most most often for whatever reason i feel like that's kind of why that movie resonated uh, because it, it was a sort of cultural it was like a relevant you know contemporary archetype or something that really described i think or at least resonated with a lot of people and I have to think that that's the idea of the archetype is, is has got to apply here because I keep seeing the same fixation, the same exact configuration of the fixation over and over and over again, no matter how big the forum is, no matter how, you know, big or small, whether it includes like Australians or Canadians or even Europeans, as long as they're Asian, I've noticed that they speak the same language, so to speak, when it comes to this issue. It's like they all understand it without having to fully communicate it. Like, does that make sense? And, yeah. And it, it, it's, it, it really encourages a lot of forum formation because it's almost like there's an instinctual understanding among all the people in there that everyone else gets it too. But yet there is a hard, but if, I feel like they all have a very hard time explaining it. It's just kind of a conundrum. It's like everyone kind of understands not only do they understand, but they understand that everyone else understands, but then no one can quite explain it. And so you see them getting frustrated in the attempts to uh, understand or, or lay it out. And you see them saying, you know, people end up breaking off into reliable factions. So like that archetype gets subdivided into other sub archetypes or, you know, and yeah. it's all very predictable. And I'm at a point now where I've been online long enough where I'm starting to get more and more curious about the just basic fact that there is a pattern. And when I see that pattern, I'm like, there's more to this than just the individual. Yeah. Or, yeah. Does that make sense? Like there's something going on that is not just the particularities of this guy or, you know what I mean? Yeah. It becomes a uh, predictable, like it's a, it's a predictable pattern and the collective kind of falls into it. It's, um, it repeats like, like, there's this kind of idea you don't want to stereotype. You don't want to treat people like a monolith. And I think there's a lot of resistance to that. So when you make generalizations, a lot of people will instinctively uh, resist them and stuff. And I think while I get why you don't want to lapse into stereotyping or generalizations, because that can lead to some negative places, I think when done correctly, it could lead to some positive places and people kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater when they um, just kind of keep sweeping that uh, keep sweeping that aside, especially because it's inevitable anyway that's going to happen. Uh, I'm sure it's impossible to see these white men, Asian female conversations and not see at some point sweeping um, generalizations made about the white men who engage in them, the Asian females who engage in them, the Asian males who, um, who um, complain or comment about them. But I feel like when you get to a certain point where the insights start getting uncomfortable, or for whatever reason, then suddenly you get this pushback against uh, generalizing. And I think that's an uncomfortable place, uh, especially because it probably holds a um, mirror up to whoever happens to be looking is where the goal is, really, you know, where the real change happens or the real insight happens. Yeah, I think it's it's doubly 
doubly bad in a sense. I mean, it's good, I think, in a way that the the that people are not fixated this entirely in isolation because I do think the fixation causes people quite a bit of um, problems. Um, I mean, being fixated on anything, I think, causes some problems if the fixation is not rational, you know? And I think that I, I would have to say at this point that it's tough because it's a fixation that's both grounded in a kind of reality. I mean, every single person knows that there's a lot of that white men and Asian women go together, right? Like you just, you just kind of know that. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that that there's any denial about that reality. So the fixation doesn't seem crazy in that sense because it it, it is a real phenomenon and yeah, there it, are it, explanations it, it for it. There are real explanations for it that are worth understanding. But I guess what I'm the, the where I'm at now with it is to say I've seen people come out with all sorts of historical explanations that are plausible and sometimes you know obviously correct like when they talk about like wartime uh you know just what ha what happens in war like in Vietnam in Korea and stuff like we just did a pot about like uh you know militarized prostit military prostitution in Korea that happened up until the 90s and stuff for the U like that kind of stuff okay um yeah. like that's real I, you know that's absolutely worth talking about uh then there's other stuff about um that that kind of shades into like TRP hypergamy stuff like chasing white privilege and all that stuff and i and i think that there's some measure that's a more uncomfortable topic that is that's more redlined but there's probably some truth in that to some extent if, if yeah, treated well yeah. you know i have a theory about a lot of that stuff which is that i think by not creating spaces to talk about it in like a nuanced way among the more so-called uh, rational spaces, you kind of create, you know, ironically, I think this in, in and of itself is an illustration of uh, young. Because uh, if in one way, the mainstream respectable form is the persona, right, of the discussion, where this is the respectable mask you have to put put up to talk about this stuff because i think these archetypes can go on, onto anything right so like one website you know might be say it's, say it's a reddit site like uh what would be the main reddit site for talking about this stuff like 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 asian identity or something yeah yeah uh, exactly that that might be the uh persona that might be like the mask that might be the um the edward norton character or the um or the uh what's his name chun su in uh jung su yeah 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 jung su whatever Mm -hmm. and and um that might be that but because it kind of suppresses this other type of conversation or feels like it's un it's unable to be spoken about like that part that it's repressing that it's um submerging um ends up manifesting in like these sites that allow um this so-called red pill type of discussion like this forbidden uh and it can become very toxic. Like I feel like, like that other site would be like a tighter Durden of the equation. And there's this kind of need to, if you could integrate that and be holistic and allow this stuff to be kind of discussed in a healthy, integrated way, those other sites wouldn't have their power. Like you wouldn't need a, a happers that devolves into like occasional toxic, toxic stuff or whatever. Like, I think that was the message that was in a lot of these things that if you don't uh, allow yourself to integrate, you know, the good parts of your shadow, you're going to risk splitting it off into a 
toxic other that whether it's Tyler Durden, whether it's Steven Yoon's character, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, I, I mean, Star Wars is about this too. Star Wars explicitly, uh, you know, took young and, uh, you know, uh, Darth Vader was, um, Anakin's shadow, you know, he kept trying to suppress his dark side and then it, uh, got seduced and became a uh, Darth Vader. And, uh, Luke Skywalker had the same struggle in Star Wars. And there's a scene where he, um, has this vision where he kills Darth Vader and then he takes off Darth Vader's mask and it's uh, Luke Skywalker with the idea being uh, if you try to kill or submerge your shadow, like if you give him to the temptation to uh, kill it, because that's the mistake the Jedi made the first time was to wipe out the dark side of the force instead of trying to seek balance and integrate it. And that's what allowed the dark side to kind of grow unseen in the background and then end up coming back at the end of the prequel trilogy and uh, wiping them out. And Luke Skywalker is getting tempted to do the same thing, which is like, you know, you have to wipe out the dark side. That's the point of being good is to wipe out the dark. And that vision was showing him if you kill Darth Vader, if you uh, give into that temptation, you're going to become uh, Darth Vader. You're going to repeat the same mistake that um, Anakin made. So that's why against everyone's wishes, he chose to uh, redeem Darth Vader. Whereas the Emperor wanted Luke to kill Darth Vader, even though that was the disciple. Because he's like, you know, if you do that, you'll become the new Vader and even a darker Vader. And I don't care who kills who, as long as one of you is uh, trying to kill your shadow. Because in a way, Luke was uh, Luke was Vader's shadow too. He was a good side of him that he was trying to, to uh, suppress. Like Luke was a shadow to Vader's persona and Vader was the shadow to Luke's persona. The Emperor doesn't care which one kills who because whoever tries to kill their own shadow is just gonna make their own shadow grow that much more which which helps him uh either way and uh luke realized like it's very important no matter what anybody says i realize i have to redeem you you know what i mean i have to um integrate you i have to uh and that's what the whole thing about balance to the force was and that's why uh the win was to get darth vader um you know balanced again and also balance himself and then that's why they were able to uh, defeat the Emperor. I mean, yeah. the, the, the new sequel uh, kind of ruins all that because it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just yeah. dumb. Yeah, yeah, it's just dumb, dumb shit. Like when people say that that that, um, <laughs> that um, Ryan Johnson thing like redeems Star Wars or makes it deep, I'm like, this is just some dumb, like it dumbs it down <laughs> so much by making everything so obvious and full woke. And it just, it's just like the, the fact that people think the original stuff is dumb. Like when you hear what I described to you, you kind of see like how kind of, it's actually very well thought out and spiritual, the original Star Wars. And like people are so clever now that they forget to be smart or be wise. Everyone just wants to be clever. So they think that Ryan Johnson is like stupid subversions or some kind of actual kind of depth <laughs> to anything. And they totally don't. They miss the point of everything. But uh, I feel like, to bring it back to this discussion, I feel like that red pill stuff that you're talking about, like that's that, like, I don't think these people realize that they're giving that stuff birth by not allowing it to be discussed in an integrated, holistic way in the so-called good spaces. You know what I mean? And the more you try to submerge that stuff, wipe it out, ban it from all your sites, don't let it be discussed, the more you're letting that stuff grow into its own... Um, more toxic, quote-unquote, dark side. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, though, for me, that I'm sort of realizing that there is really no... Um, like, you can't really depend on that 
anymore. I, I just don't think that these discussions are something that like can be had in a proper form because like the things that some of these guys are going to say, like while I, I have always agreed with that point of view that it's better to have these things properly discussed, especially with some adults in the room, uh, like exactly. people have actually thought, thought, thought through it <clears throat> that, um, Unfortunately, I just don't think in like large public spaces that that is feasible because some of the stuff that gets said is just really, I mean, it, it, here's the thing is like, it's not just Asian dudes who have like, you know, things to that have sensitivities, right? Like the things that they say are going to trigger the shit out of a lot of Asian women who read this and are like, you know, because, because the way they talk about Asian women is in a way... And this is this is why I want to talk about this Jungian idea of like projections. It's like they're I don't think they're actually talking about Asian women. And I don't even think they're talking about the Asian women that they see in real life with white men. I think that they're talking about a caricature they kind of created. Themselves. Yeah, they're saying something about themselves in a way, but they don't really under, quite get that. And so, okay, so let's let's talk about that for a sec. I think before we even talk about the, you know, the um before we even talk about whether it's better to allow the discussions in forms than to not, I'm more interested in going back to the origin of how is it that so, because this was true prior to the forms. All the forums really did was to confirm for a lot of people that this is a widespread fixation that you see among Asian men and that that fixation existed before the forum. Right. So what is it that's causing that fixation in such a uh, uh, predictable and widespread and uniform way? And obviously, like the social factors of it, like, I think there's a reality to it. Yes, there is a prevalence of of white men with Asian women. And there are historic, you know, like I said, there's are, there, there is a historical and political context to that. But what I'm interested in, in is the specific emotional reaction that Asian men seem to have towards that phenomenon. And that that seems to be a pretty predictable, uniform response. And I'm wondering, I guess I'm, I'm starting to wonder whether there is something to the idea that the white man symbolizes for a lot of Asian men a kind of idealized self or, 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 or um, shadow. And whether the Asian woman, not the actual Asian women in this man's life, um, and not a specific Asian, well, maybe a specific Asian woman, but only as a projection, as only as a screen for projection. But the Asian woman is really a projection of a kind of, it's a kind of anima projection. There is, I think, wrapped up in the image of the Asian woman, um, a kind of feminine ideal in some ways that is, I think you had mentioned like in these stories that often when the um when the character when the when the pers when the persona becomes too strong in the sense that the 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 you know all these things start to the more incoherent the more incoherent these th these three things are that you said that sometimes the animal kind of runs off with the shadow and I, yeah and I think that's exactly what this fixation is this this kind of fear or uh, it almost seems like a sense of loss that's represented by WMAF, which is the acronym for white male, Asian female, that there's almost a sense of loss that the Asian woman as the anima has run off with the white man as the shadow. And I can kind of like just thinking through it, I can kind of understand that a little bit. 
I mean, I think that there's something to that. I don't, I just um, don't know enough to say. I, I, I actually kind of forgot the point about the anima running off with the shadow. Can you, can you remind me of it? Like, like I, I vaguely remember it, but. Yeah, I mean, um, okay. So like the opposite of integration is where the, um, is where the shadow sort of separates from the persona, right? Like, it's like who I think I am is, is very, is like kind of separate and apart from this sort of idealized figure of a man. And there seems to be like a real break, a real split between like sort of who you are and who you want to be. And, uh, Oh, I I remember, I remember now it's uh, a term called the anima possessed man. Okay. Interesting. That's, 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 uh, what it's called. Here's, here's something. By the way, I haven't gotten that email. Did you send me an email or something or? Um, I thought I, I thought I did. I could send you. I thought I sent you this, but maybe I forgot. I, I could send you the two. I'm, I remember now. This is actually pretty interesting uh, stuff. Um, okay. Uh, there's there's something called because there's an anima and the animus, and there's something called the anima uh, possessed man and the animus possessed um, woman. And that is the persona. Actually, I could put it right in this room. Uh, hold on. You see the message part, right? Uh, I just put. Um, oh, 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 oh! In the in the chat. Oh, I see. Y- yeah, Sorry. yeah. So, so, so okay. I put one, and then I I'll see. put animal possession. I see it. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's there's one called animus uh, possession, and mm-hmm. and this is the what the spinous uh, wimp is. And actually, you know what? This is short. It might be worth just just um, just reading through it. Just reading. Like I should just just read it out loud, and then you can uh, jump in wherever yeah. you see a connection, right? But, All right. Uh, this article, you can search it. Uh, if we end up publishing this, if anyone's listening on, online, this anima possession, are you a spineless wimp? And it's from a site called Applied Young. But uh, it says, this post focuses on the malevolent, destructive, dysfunctional anima and how that affects a man and also attempts to address the approach to take in order to integrate the anima and thus render her benevolent and constructive. And this was a big part of um, a burning. But in burning, he was um, his mother kind of wreaked some kind of havoc um, on him. And what I would kind of say is a lot of psychology often like believes like a lot of um, the imprinting of your parents kind of determines uh, your partner and or what triggers you in a partner and the. Uh, kind of simplistic views to always assume that it's the opposite sex parent but really like both your parents uh play a role uh like part of um something you like or dislike in your dad even as a straight man might be manifesting in your partner too it's not always even if arguably is predominantly like you know your mom so like this emotion uh, this thing you're projecting like it might have something to do with maybe how the stereotypical view of what people have about their own Asian mothers or their Asian dads or how their Asian parents um, related to each other, part of that stuff might be being uh, projected into um, this caricature that they're projecting into uh, the Asian woman. But to go back to the post, uh, in the classic version of Jungian psychology, the anima is the man's internal other and the animus is a woman's internal other. In other words, if you are physically a man, you will have an inner anima, a feminine image which guides and shapes the way you relate to women in the world at large. 
While post-Jungian theory is in line with post-modernity and more ambivalent about gender, the classical model, as described by Marie-Louise von Franz in this post, is still incredibly useful and interesting. The information and knowledge that Marie-Louise von Franz extracts from fairy tales is fascinating, because similar to um, what Joseph Campbell did, which is apply Jung to mythology, uh, Marie-Louise Franz used fairy tales. She kind of figured that fairy tales were the collective unconscious of a community, like, you know, trying to tell fables and stories and you can analyze them to kind of figure out like humanity's values and lessons, you know? Uh, so she did Jungian fairy tales, pretty interesting stuff. But at this, as this post focuses on the man's relationship with his anima, what needs to be understood is that this feminine image is unconscious and has her roots in the relationship he had with his mother. A man's experience of his personal mother puts the flesh on the inborn archetype of the anima and both defines his personal attitude towards women and the functioning of his inner feminine principle. Jungian psychology, the first step to individuation is integrating your shadow. After that follows the integration of the anima and or animus. So the idea is you integrate your shadow first, then you um, integrate your anima and or animus. According to this post, interestingly, Burning did the opposite. He, in he integrated the anima first, integrated the shadow uh, second. But uh, I, I mean, so... According to this, like uh, the idea is that um, I mean, so far so good. The mother, I mean, so yeah, far so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anima possession. When a man's anima is not integrated, it wreaks havoc in his life. The anima possessed man is a spineless wimp who does not know when or how to take action in the world. He is moody and sulky and throws tantrums like a toddler. Although very passive, he totally overreacts to slights and confrontations. He is not appropriate in his actions. Either he is paralyzed and can't find the energy to do what needs to be done, or he jumps into action when he should be thinking about it first. He is usually in a relationship with an animus hound who knows it all and makes all decisions in the relationship. An animus hound is a certain type of uh, ball-busting woman in the idea of, of this. <laughs> That's uh, quite a name, the animus hound. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean. Uh, what what are the problems uh, with uh, <laughs> this stuff? Is is that very politically correct by today's uh, standards? Yeah. So people, so people kind of throw out the baby at the bathwater and stuff. Yeah, you no. Know, right? Yeah, I think we should yeah. read this with a bit of a historical uh, yeah, yeah. distance, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, the animal possessed man is stuck in. Actually, but, but to back up on that, because we have to read this in full, we can always stop and like you know. Uh -huh. point out insights as we go along but i think probably uh what person is creating this this projection that you said people are not actually talking about the asian woman as she is but this kind of caricature they projected into her is maybe the animus hound describes what they're what they've made the typical asian woman into you know maybe um you know it's interesting uh, because i think there is a degree to which uh well it depends i mean i think that you, what, what you will see is that these discussions always t turn what is really a social phenomenon that really can't be characterized because you're talking about a phenomenon. You're, you're talking about the prevalence of a particular racial pairing. But what happens is these discussions will start to flesh out the phenomenon into sort of like this archetypical archetypal couple. And they'll start throwing like like personal characteristics onto the white man as phenomenon and they'll throw characteristics onto the Asian woman as phenomenon. And then sort of like a race relationship dynamic between the two. And there was a guy who you might remember, but his name, it was um, Eurasian tiger. Yes. Yeah. Like he would do this. Like he would, 
he was like he was like well known on Reddit in these forums, and he would basically write about his parents saying that these are what WMAF couples are like. This is this is what they're like. And then the woman is a ball buster, animus hound. The dad is a spineless wimp and all this stuff. It's really, it was just really interesting. Well, he, well you're saying, right. I, I remember his post and you're right. It totally fit into this archetype. You're right. He yeah. did, did present her as an animus hound. And the way he described his father was totally uh, like that. The, uh, like like I'll, I'll repeat again. Like the animal possessed man is a spineless wimp who does not know when or how to take action in the world. He's moody and sulky and throws tantrums like a... Like a Toddler, although very passive, he totally overreacts to slights and confrontations. He is not appropriate in his actions. Either he is paralyzed and can't find the energy to do what needs to be done or jumps into action when he should be thinking about it first. That is totally how he described white men and it's particularly his father in those um, relationships. You're absolutely right. That's a great insight. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that in that case, you're talking about the white man. And I think that in some way, I think actually he was pretty helpful in putting the pushing the conversation forward because he's like in, in a way he was trying to push back i think on the kinds of the kinds of characterizations that these asian forums would put on wmf couples to say that the asian woman was self-hating and weak and just all she did was worship the man and the man was always like a chad it was very chatty you know like the, yeah. the white guy was always a chad and and and, and in a sense uh, was idealized in a weird way. And the woman was in this sort of pathetic, submissive position. But in a way, I feel like that was always also idealizing that them in a way, because I feel like there was the there there is in a sense this desire for a submissive woman, right? And so I felt that in a way Eurasian Tiger was kind of flipping the script a little to describe how it was different than that. It was like, no, actually the white man in the relationships that he, that in his family was, like you said, moody, sulky, and passive, whereas the woman was an animus hound as described here. Yeah, and there, and there's something uh, empowering about realizing that, I think, I think that so. probably really yeah. helped his uh, popularity because people kind of realize, oh, wait, all this time I've been like jealous of a, what I thought was a Chad, and it's really just this uh, pathetic guy. Because there was this kind of um, stereotype. I know it happens a lot with um, Chinese stereotypes, where there's a stereotype that the image that China presents to the world of the submissive Asian woman is not an actual reality in the Chinese household, and that uh, Chinese mothers are actually like super tough, kind of run things. Uh, and there's like, the, the old phrase um, where uh, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck that um, controls where the head faces and stuff. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, used to, I used to know some Chinese people that would tell me, like, uh, people don't realize, like, uh, they would say, oh, my mom is like a super manipulator or she has my dad un wrapped under her finger. But he, think, he <laughs> thinks he's... Not surprising. In What's that? Not surprising. He, he, yeah, yeah. And they, But that he thinks he's in uh, charge. So I think mm -hmm. there was this kind of idea probably that was happening where people thought, oh as an Asian man or like, you know, my father, whatever, is this kind of uh, animal possessed man and, and that the Chinese woman or the Asian woman is a ball busting uh, bitch with the um, <laughs> yeah. Asian man, but, you know, with... Um, oh, she's so a submissive, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's totally different for the white man, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and to a degree, I think there's a sense in which to, to 
play to a guy's ego, they might have been letting a lot of white guys believe that about themselves in the courtship stage too, you know, because I feel like a lot of white guys who um, are really into this kind of pairing, especially in the early stages, um, really believe that they are, that they themselves are the Chad to these uh, women, you know, and then when in reality, they're probably, uh, especially once they settle in, are really like Eurasian Tiger's father, you know, and if and when they do realize it, it's probably like way too late, you know, and that just makes them even more bitter and and uh, sulky and whatever. Because I'm sure Eurasian Tiger's father, as he described him, no matter what he at one point might have thought he was getting into as far as like, oh, I found this um, silly, naive Asian woman who thinks I'm a Chad and I'm going to finally be the Chad I always wanted to be. I'm sure by the end of his life, he was disabused of any of those uh, illusions about himself. I have to imagine. Yeah, I think that's very true. I, and, and I thought that Eurasian Tiger was, although controversial, I, I felt like he was offering a really different spin to, a different spin to it to say like, and, and, and in a way I felt like, okay, to the extent that you need to do an integration with the shadow, well, so long as these guys are like idealizing the white man in these WMAF relationships, I think that that is a that prevents them from that kind of integration because they are, how can you integrate with this sort of like idealized image that doesn't bear with reality? And if you, if you listen to what Eurasian Tiger saying, I feel like it's kind of like, no, look, these are just like same old, you know, just same old shit. You know, it's like, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and in a way they're actually these guys that you're calling Chad's in, in contrast to your, um, animus, uh, possessed, fathers they're actually bigger animus possessed uh, animal possessed men than your fathers ever were if anything your father is uh way more of a chad uh relatively speaking than this guy that you're um you know um shitting on you know your own your own dad yeah i I think that i think the difficulty here though and i think the reason why this presents so uh so so commonly is i think that there's you know race intersects here right and there is I think a uh, there's a there's a socialized racial you know idealization of whiteness that contributes to this, and I think in a way the more conscious people become and the more they talk about this phenomenon, not just this phenomenon, but sort of race in general, and you know like all Asian American discourse, race discourse starts talking about how Asian men are emasculated, like. You know, I, I find that that's a very d- tricky thing to talk about because it's like, no, no well, you're saying that white media has, you know, attempted to emasculate the image of the Asian man. But I think when you say that enough times, it just sort of becomes shorthand for Asian men are emasculated. You'll hear that a lot in these things like Asian yeah. men are emasculated as if that was like a process that actually happened versus like, no, we're talking about like fictional characters in specific movies, but it just becomes sort of like this thing where like, oh, well, Asian men in the West are actual yeah, reality. Like Asian men in America are emasculated. And if you're woke, that that just sort of gets you see this a lot of with guys who are like, quote, newly woke. I hate I'm sorry to use that term, but that's kind of how it's described. Right. It's like newly woke, like yeah. newly attuned to racial issues for the first time or whatever. And they'll just start hammering this. They're so adamant and they're like, Asian men are emasculated in the West. I, I feel like it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. And I think that that it's almost a, that consciousness, that race consciousness and the way that the discourse has specifically 
intended to emphasize the ways in which the Asian man as a, a, a racial entity in the world, I'm not talking about, your, you know, I'm, we're not talking about specific Asian men here. I'm talking about Asian men as a phenomenon or as a, as a category are just emasculated like point blank. That's a fact that you have to accept if you're going to be talking about race. I feel like that actually makes it worse because you have to sort of accept that that's just true, right? And it yeah. builds into this idea. Well, if that's true, then white men are, they, they remain masculine and they're idealized and all this stuff. And, and I just feel like it falls into this worldview that we live in a society that, quote, emasculates men and idealizes white men. And if you are conscious of race, you will learn to accept that as true. And I feel like, well, that's really quite in line with this you know, tendency I, I see of Asian guys going online, talking about race for the first time or, or rather new to the conversation, being hit over the head repeatedly with the idea that they're less than full men and that they're particularly sexually and that therefore what WMAF is as a phenomenon is women naturally, uh, you know, uh, being attracted to the masculine ideals. You, and, and then there's this whole thing about, you know, Asian women are programmed to love white men. And you actually have a lot of Asian women who will write that and say, like, I was programmed to love white men. That's a different discussion. Uh, but, you know, like, yeah. And, and, and it's a way to kind of it's a way to kind of remove accountability, too. I think so. And it's just a, it's just a totally different conversation. I like I, I don't I don't yeah. presume to know what really factors in there. But like the one voice, uh, the the type of voice that Eurasian Tiger presented, he just, you know, forever. So if I guess, you know, this is worth probably someone releasing. Um Eurasian Tiger was um, mixed race. He had a white fa father and an Asian mother. So he really kind of knew the realities of that world. And he said that people should understand that this was more more prevalent in some... And like, I'm not trying to say that that describes all WMF couples, but I'm just saying that the way he described it as a counter narrative to that was really interesting. Because actually what he said was countering all of that yeah, and what was interesting was a lot of this stuff was outsiders uh, projecting, like, like, like a lot of Asian people who were not, uh, or products of these relationships were kind of um, doing a lot of projection from the outside, whereas he kind of not only um, gave an insider account, but created, but I don't know if he created Happers or just was became the most popular poster in there, but uh, there was basically a whole community inspired by him that was uh, verifying, you know, I always feel like there needs to be a word for the opposite of gaslighting where, you know, like, uh, you know, gaslighting is where you think you're seeing something, but then suddenly someone makes you doubt your own sanity. Whereas I think there's a, another uh, thing that happens where you think you're crazy and then somebody gradually makes you realize that you're sane. And I feel like, um, uh, Eurasian Tiger and the R Happers Reddit probably did that for a lot of people where a lot of uh, Happers seem to really um, feel kind of verified and that uh, they weren't crazy after all. Um, but you know what's interesting about the whole Chad thing that you're talking about and the falseness of it is, and I think this kind of came through in Eurasian Tiger's writing. You can tell me what you think. Uh, Eurasian Tiger, I found like was very useful for me just for like doing... Um, champagne sharks and stuff like that because i felt like the black discourse was pretty bad on mixed race stuff and all this stuff they um and i felt that the framework to kind of describe what happens was pretty um interesting and expanded how he thought about things even with the um, black issues but uh it seemed like his mother you know it wasn't like the asian like people were wrong about you know the asian woman um worshiping 
the white man as some kind of chad or at least the idealized version of the white man as some kind of chad or believing that that was what white men typically were or had the potential to be like there was this kind of idea that his mother did buy into it but that she just got like uh defective goods and she had a kind of bitterness about that like she got basically whether she realized it at the time or not but Eventually, you know, she seems to have like she got like basically a substandard, like uh, less than Chad uh, white man. But at the very least, it was still better than uh, an Asian man. Are you saying that's what your Asian tiger said or how that was interpreted? People at large. Uh, that's oh, oh, well, that's kind of how I oh, interpret I it. I okay. felt there was a sense to there was a sense to which uh, his mother really did buy into this idea of the white Chad and probably a lot of uh, Asian women who idealize white men, Asian female relationships. For example, that um, sure, that that movie on netflix uh, to all the boys i mm. loved before i mean it was still pushing that fantasy and was loved by everybody you know like she gets like the athlete white guy she doesn't get like the white beta you know uh if anything i think she kind of outgrows the white beta or she or she did not even a issue for her she wants like the white alpha male and the way a lot of women who, who really were taken by that thing was was like they really liked the fantasy like he took she took the white alpha male athlete from the white alpha female you know that was a very big deal of it so i, I think that fantasy like does exist they do still probably think it's out and like the kind of feeling i got from eurasian tiger's story was that he still felt he felt his mom believed in that and his mom aspired to that but she took what she could get but she kind of had him in a kind of contempt herself because you know she knew he was basically an anima uh possessed man but at the very least he had white genes and she would at least be his her genetic ticket out of whiteness i, I want you know i want to I mean? recommend like, a book uh, uh if you're interested in this um it's by a yeah. japanese writer her name's natsuo karino and it's the name of the book is grotesque and it's about a it's about um a woman in japan a young woman in japan who is mixed race i think she has like a swiss father and a japanese mother and she describes from the perspective of the daughter there's a novel uh parents that are really similar to the way eurasian tiger described it like a real loathing of the father as sort of like kind of useless and disappointing uh, I kind of forgot how she described the mother, but mother was a bit, a little bit different. More, she was less ball busting and more long suffering. But uh, it's it's inter it's an interesting uh, book because it really dovetailed with the way. <laughs> uh with the way uh Eurasian Tiger described it um yeah 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 and and the, and my my perception of uh Eurasian Tiger's contempt with the father did you kind of get the same thing do you think what i'm describing I, is actually i feel there? it but i also feel that so that you know i mean it's not like Eurasian Tiger knows his parents perfectly i mean i felt like there might have been exactly yeah i th i feel like there might have been his some some assumptions about what was going on with his parents i, I don't i don't know of course um but yeah yeah overall I, I feel like that's kind of what he was getting at um and then maybe in a way that the he was suggesting that his yeah like his mother was saying in order to sort of salvage the decision to marry him was to say well as bad as this is it can't be worse than i mean 
because white is better than yellow, white must, this must at least be better than having married the best available Asian man. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There was this video that somebody put up on uh, YouTube and it went very viral. And weirdly enough, the original video has totally disappeared and all you have are the reactions to it. But somebody put up um, this video saying that black women are more submissive with white men than they are with black men. So all these white men who are saying that uh, black men are wrong, because there's this tendency to describe by black men to describe black women as uh, these ball busting animus hounds. And then, you know, people would say, oh, that's not true. I'm with a black woman. She's not like, like that with me. And or a black woman would be like, you know, it just took, took a white man to handle me or whatever. And then somebody put up this video that struck a real uh, nerve online on YouTube at the time. And the person was saying that uh, when a black woman is with a white man, she acts totally different. She's submissive. She acts uh, very lovey-dovey and, you know, will be a total different person with the black guy. She'll be uh, different. And she doesn't realize that she's making the relationships uh, different. And there were just reaction after reaction after reaction. Strangely enough, the reactions are still there, but the original video is uh, gone. But I think that kind of thing was going on in the whole Asian community, probably. And Eurasian Tiger, like we said, kind of really stuck a pin in that. It made people like reevaluate like a lot of stuff. Yeah. Because because I do think, yeah, I think that it's both, yeah, there's the Chad aspect of the idealization. And then there's also the, I, I put asterisks, of, you know, I asterisk this, but the idealization of the Asian woman as submissive, as that video had claimed, in a way that, you know, what poses as an insult as, you know, oh, the blonde hair, blue eye guy. Well, the blonde hair, blue eye is the ideal, right? I mean, in, in this in this framework. Yeah. And then the, oh, the submissive, uh, you know, the submissive, like, Asian woman. Well, that's an ideal, too, in this framework. So they're both all, you know, it's this weird, it's the Ed Norton sort of, like, both fascination plus repulsion at the same time. But it's more, it's more fascinating, it's more attraction than repulsion um, of what seems to be a kind of forbidden ideal. It's like this animus-possessed man, uh cannot and is is not allowed to engage in a relationship where he is dominant and the woman is submissive, but then takes a look at this WMAF projection where he assumes that the white man is dominant and the Asian woman is sexually submissive. Um, and it's probably it's probably an image that's reinforced through media and through pornography and things like that. That that oh, sure. that in a way the WMA WMF represents something that he actually wants. For him, right? Like that, in a way, is idealized and, 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 and is repulsed by at the same time. You know, and, yeah, I think it's a, that's a very key thing to uh, uh, talk about because th- that is a kind of cognitive dissonance that you're both simultaneously horrified of, but kind of envy this. You know, like like the the quote unquote nice guy who wishes like the girl would realize that he, that he's better for her than the jerk. But when he can't see what the jerk can get away with and what he can't, you know, there's probably those those moments where he envies him. Uh, in Burning, uh, Jung Soo, you know, talks about these Gatsby's and how he can't stand them but you also see there's a part of him that you know is jealous that of Stephen Young's character you know or how in Fight Club uh there's a part of uh Ed Norton's character that throughout is both kind of repulsed or put up by parts of Tyler but you know also clearly like hero worships him and envies right, him at times right. you know it's a but yeah. and, and I think that in a way like the racial aspect of this just maintains a sort of 
extra layer of mystification. Um, yeah. And, and, and you know what? I'll say too, when I see a lot of these self-improvement uh, ideas that a lot of these uh, Asian guys try to come up with to deal with this stuff, whether it's like these Asian uh, pickup artists or these um, Asian men rights activists or just, you know, people trying to, mm -hmm. or re people who seem to buy into this idea that you talked about where they don't just talk about the emasculated Asian male as a stereotype, but they, t they talk about it as an actual like reality, like, like almost like the trope, a documentary and not propaganda. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's actually describing a real thing rather than, rather than just, being a lie like like those people kind of buy into that their prescriptions a lot of times delve into buying into the white uh stereotype of masculinity or or an assimilated version of masculinity it's like you know get this kind of hairstyle you know or or work out and dress like uh where i'm talking about like in, in the arts like you know when those asian pickup artists were a thing like you know uh dress like a punk you know and 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 look like a chad like like wear uh, affliction shirts and get into mma and like it would be these kind of like stereotypes of what they thought like a white uh chad was yes and then i think that there were there there were asian women who were commenting on this that said that this is Asian men idealizing white masculinity, I think that that also reinforced what they were doing by saying that there's a certain kind of white Chad masculinity and that they, and I think I've, I've probably said similar things too when we've discussed this on like Escape from Our Pod, that there is this sort of tendency to idealize white masculinity but that presupposes that that is white masculinity right and 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 exactly yeah, and i think that the discussion sort of introduced a kind of phantom and created and kind of put weight to it and it's kind of weird like now that i think about it it's kind of like what white what white person is this does this white person exist like is this you know like yeah and it's funny even like white even like most white guys not only um can't achieve that but you know have the same relationship to it that um these asian men do like 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 those sites they, they used to pop up like in the arts and the in the early internet like uh hot chicks with douchebags remember that one and the whole thing could could might as well have been uh created by these angry asian men it was just a bunch of white guys just posting pictures of hot women with these chad douchebags or if you look at a white insult forum you know it would be um like like it's not even attainable to most white guys like like it's it's a it's a phantom or a demon like hanging over like most uh white guys themselves so it's so it's even crazier to try to aspire to it in the, that sense because because it, it probably never even really existed. yeah and the, the chad imagery that just sort of straight up incels use has always confused me because i'm like wait are you idealizing them or do you hate them and it sounds like it's kind of both right like yeah 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 even even they don't know when you read those old like manosphere or red pill type things like half the post it's to be about the same person doing both types of posts you know would be about you know uh beta revolution revenge against alphas and the other half would be pretending that they were the alphas uh giving the beta swirlies and it's like okay which one do you think you are right you know and you're kind of posting like you're both you know and and that confusion i think uh they don't know if they're um a site for betas who want revenge against uh the so-called chads or if they're a site for chads who want to mock the betas and even it, they it didn't know it, it, they it were... just had this weird um it, it was like that vase you know where like if you look at the negative space it's two faces 
And it, you know, like mm. it just kept flip flopping for me when I was looking at these memes because I remember that the that the incel stuff was like you know big, like big you know Andrew Nagel's writing books about it and stuff. And then I was like, they they would you know would see these memes of like these really intentionally poorly drawn cartoons of the Chad, and I was like, are they what are they trying to say about the Chad that he's cool or that he sucks? Because it's like almost like this perfect neither it's like both and neither at the same time and but but if you look at sites like rush like rush v site and all those sites and all those uh uh pickup artist sites they were all about trying to hack the chad psychology and become you know uh a chad like like how do you dress like a chad you know like that like book the game like how to you know they're basically studying and deconstructing and reverse engineering the chad and creating all these hacks, which is and weird tips because because whatever, which is weird because the chat is their own projection, right? Like they're trying to hack yeah, yeah, themselves, exactly. though, in a weird way, right? Like the chat, yeah, yeah, yeah. a figment of their own the imagination. Chad is the, yeah, the chat is uh, their shadow uh, to their persona. But instead of trying to like you know see what's real and what's not and stop projecting it and integrate, they just want to make the chat into their new persona, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then make uh, the old despised self into their shadow. It's it's like uh. they just trying to, mm-hmm. to just trying to reverse yeah. it like you know that's that's the trap to falling into it's like if 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 the beta is my persona and the chat is my shadow then i'm going to try to hack it and reverse engineer it until i can make the chat my my mask and then the beta my shadow and it's just it's still like the same uh trapped um dichotomy you yeah. know what i mean i, uh, I mean that, i think that is like very metaphorical and but i think you know, if you if the way i kind of see it play out in real life is like i've noticed with especially with like younger and more insecure guys and i can relate to this when i was younger and a little bit maybe more insecure is that there is a side there's always two sides to guys and i think one of them is a little bit of the sort of lovable loser kind of guy um, that does good things and is like an all around decent person and a bit humble. And then there's sort of like this other side that wants to go out and like pick up girls and sort of flout rules and uh, et cetera, sort of be the Chad. And that there was this kind of game to say like, what, what I've seen was that people, you know, when you were getting into like your teens and like twenties, that the game was to like, sort of make that sort of chatty side of you more confident. Whereas like when you're in high school and stuff, it's like going to talk to girls, that part of you was like really insecure and like not confident. And then you were like a, you know, you were like a, just kind of still a boy. So like the part of you that your mother had, you know, like said was a good boy or whatever, that part was really confident. And then there was like this sort of like flipping over into this sort of like youth dominated culture that kind of wanted to say, flip the tables to say, if you're like a good boy, you're a loser. Like fucking that you're just a kid. But if you're if you're cool, if you're growing up, that the part of you that might be a little bit nervous around girls or might be a little nervous um getting pu- you know attention in public or take you know being a little bit more socially dominant, like that part of you um you need to make more confident. And so there's like sort of like two sides to guys and only and like yeah, one yeah. side and- holds the confidence stick. And I feel like a lot of the PUA stuff was like to to kind of take guys who had never really flipped in their teens and twenties and maybe it's a little late and they kind of still was like, kind of like trying to make them um, get out of their comfort zone. I think is one of the things that, that is like a big um, sort of paradigm in this, in this world is get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea I think was to change 
I think this was the trap of it was uh, both of them were a false self. Both of them weren't real. Because like you said, uh, their caricature of the Chad wasn't a real thing either. It was just a projection or whatever. And instead of trying to get them to like integrate and just give up being a false self altogether, it kind of tricked them into this idea of making yourself into another false self. Like, you know, switching out one false self for the other. Or as you said, get the confidence stick. Like, I think a, a phrase that used to come out a lot during that time was, Fake it till you make it. They used to always say, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it. And he used to always say that on those boards. But as I got older in general, I kind of understood what fake it till you make it actually means. And what I think fake it till you make it is supposed to mean is like, okay, you're uh, faking it as in, okay, I'm going to pretend to know what I'm doing or talking about it, but I'm going to fake it until I'm done doing the work behind the scenes to make it a reality. So the idea is you're faking it, you know, to buy time. But in the meantime, you're hustling, you're learning what you have to do. You're living the experiences that you have to live. You're getting the wisdom you have to um, get until you reach a point where the work you're doing in the background, the growth you're doing in the background matches the image that you put in the front. Whereas I think in those um, PUA and red pill circles, they thought uh, fake it till you make it meant the act of faking it will actually, if you do it long enough, will actually magically make it become a reality. Right. Right. So I as in, so as in, uh, fake it till you make it. As in, if you fake it long enough, you'll eventually make it. And just by the, the mechanism by which you make it is the faking it, if that makes yeah, sense. You yeah, know, like, yeah. uh, and, and that doesn't like work. Just the longer you fake it, the more chance you have of being exposed. You can't make it by faking it. They're saying, like, they were saying fake it and then do something else to make it, not fake it. And by virtue of faking it, one day you will just. Uh, you know, you like Pinocchio. You, you'll become a real boy if you just lie long can, enough. Can we can, can we doesn't, go back to the yeah. to the animal possession article? Let's let's keep let's keep reading yeah. through it. I think um, I'm curious where yeah, it goes. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's true. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So so let's see let's see where I was. I think it's as this post focus. Uh, on the man's relationship with his animal? Is that? No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh actually, actually, no, no. It's a, little, it's a little bit later than that. It's, it's after the, the, okay. Uh, the animal, he is usually in a relationship. The animal possessed man is usually in a relationship with the animus hound who knows it all and makes all the decisions in a relationship. The animal possessed man is stuck in a fate that his repetitive patterns um, choose for him. The anima, his uh, female side inside, uh, spins a cocoon of fantasies and illusions. He repeats the same dynamics, dates the same type of women, and experiences the same resistance in the world again and again. Any numinous experience he has, she quickly attacks, and he is left with the feeling that his experience that he experienced was nothing but. Uh, she is a master of creating doubt, and he finds himself always doubting his options. Oh, is she and being the animal here, like the she, 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 she being. The anima, and what's kind of tricky about this is the anima he could be describing could be his internalized image of his mother, or it could be the woman he's in a relationship with, because they're both count well, as an anima. And sometimes, what I'm suggesting yeah. here is that in the particular case of the Asian male fixation on WMAF, that the anima is what the Asian woman in the image of WMAF represents to him uh, is kind of where I would my starting point. I I, I I'm just curious. 
I'm I'm reading it. I mean, just just for people's benefit, I'm just re- as you read it, I'm trying to match whether that is the case. Yeah. Of course, mm-hmm. he gets lost in contemplations and thinking, and this is what prevents him from taking action. At night, he dreams about his anima, and she appears in his dreams as a monster, attacking him, threatening him, and dismissing him. And I think, in a way, it, that does kind of it, it does. Right and I think the repet- repet- repetitious yeah. patterns thing is a big thing at least that I've seen online, you see the same post in the same circle of discussion over and over again, you know, like it's very, it's very interesting how repetitive it is. I think that the notion of repetition is definitely applicable. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah. For sure. Y- yeah. And Freud has something that he calls um, repetition compulsion, you know, where it's like you repeat like dynamics from childhood and your relationships and your work yeah. relationships and all this stuff. And, and you know, the thing that I find interesting uh, kind of connects to this. We were talking about like how, in a way, the disillusionment that uh, Eurasian Tiger uh, created. And by disillusionment, I mean in the original broad psycholo- uh, or psychological version of the term. Like, like people now just call disillusionment a type of disappointment. But in like the purest sense of the word, disillusionment just means any illusion that you've been carrying for a while, someone kind of takes the, the um, illusion away. So you kind of uh, are, are disillusioned, like had the illusion removed from you. And I think like there was a disillusionment in terms of their idea of like all the white men in the, these uh, white men Asian female relationships being these uh, unimpeachable chads have it that was type of disillusionment but I think a, a flip side of that I think it created a lot more hatred for the Asian women because if they really were these type of chads on a certain begrudging level you can kind of give them the respect for you know what they saw as debasing themselves for because you know but if this is not really what the white men these relationships are then you're basically just uh basing yourself just for the construct of whiteness or the idea of white genes like and and i think that kind of activated to me as a someone from the outside looking in uh i think an even stronger form of the, uh the hate like 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 you're not even doing this for the real version of the of the idealized but, image but, yeah but just, see um, if by you saying that i think that that com- that shows how race compounds the problem because like if race didn't factor into this then the disillusionment would sort of like lead to a kind of integration or lead to a kind of like like liberation of the fixation right but here it's like when you see like you said when you see past the illusion in a way the the sense of race racial injustice in this or racial outrage sort of pulls you back in right like like race kind of acts as a sort it, it kind of okay like let's say for example like when you're talking about WMAF as what what I'm suggesting here is that the fixation that Asian men have on WMAF is largely an illusion it's always, it's largely based on an illusory understanding of a real phenomenon and that the discussion of that phenomenon uh is often considered racial discourse it's often considered like the the, the legitimate critical discussion of race dynamics in America as pertains to Asian people and in particular Asian women and white men and the history and all this stuff. And it really reinforces the illusion as real. And so I think like it just, it race discourse as it currently exists for Asian people tends to reinforce the WMAF illusion. And I don't mean the, I don't, by that, I don't mean WMAF is an illusory phenomenon, but that the psychological understanding of it by Asian men at large, as represented in what I see in in forums and all these things, uh, and to some degree that I, to some degree I think I can understand myself, 
is couched on illusions which race discourse helps to prop up if that makes sense and yeah. it's just very uh, sticky yeah no it's, it, it is and something that makes this kind of tricky that makes it um very kind of confusing is that there's a type of symmetry in that the the animal possessed man that is this uh spineless wimp i think that's like the specific type of persona that uh people are particularly captivated with like, like remember i was saying that the persona doesn't have to be the spineless wimp but uh you were pointing out that that's the persona that seems to captivate us the most in this current mm-hmm. discourse and that's the uh anima uh, possessed possessed man um when you said the anima running away with the shadow that is something that happens too but i forget the details of, of that one it, it's related to that it might even be in this mm-hmm. article yeah but um this ball busting type of woman this animus hound um supposed to be in the literature a woman who's possessed by her animus who's possessed by her male side so um these asian men are seeing this uh asian woman as this and this ball busting animus hound that means on some you know level uh whether it's in this um episode or follow-up we should do a read of the article about the 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 anima hound because there's one on this site about the anima hound that I think is um, very interesting. And it'd be interesting to see at some point if when we read that article, if it matches up with the caricature that the Asian men in these discussions have have created, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, of, of the, the, the Asian women. But um, to continue um, with this article, because I think we're at the halfway point. It's, it's, oh, yeah. So the anima attacks the man's interior function and to explain this i need to quickly divert to typology in young's personality type each person has four functions namely thinking feeling intuition and sensation these four functions identify the way you relate to and take in information from the external world an individual will always favor one of the four as a superior function to explain this i will use the example of wanting to buy a new car a thinking type will analyze the performance fuel consumption motor plan deal etc a feeling type will evaluate which vehicle is best suited for his purposes in two Intuitive will select the vehicle that he knows is right for him. A sensate will choose a vehicle that he feels great to drive and is in the right color. Now, if you are a thinking type, your inferior, opposite and an underdeveloped function would be feeling and vice versa. Like, like for me personally, I tend to be like a thinking type. So my feeling type is underdeveloped, at least according to my therapist. I can relate uh, to that. I think I can relate if you to are, that. <laughs> Yeah. If you are an intuitive, your inferior function would be sensation and vice versa. Coming back to... The anima, she always attacks the man in his inferior function. So where most men are thinking types, typically, feeling will be poorly developed, and here the anima takes control. She plays his emotions like a fiddle. He is moody, sulky, throws tantrums, and gets really upset. When he has rare moments of happiness and elation and has a fabulous time, she quickly casts doubt and destroys the experience for him. And naturally, as a consequence, his evaluative ability tends to be poor because she's attacking him, the place where he's under undeveloped anyway. So he's not able to really evaluate how good her attack is or how valid it is. Like, for example, she attacked him uh, in his strong suit. Like, he was a thinking type, and she attacked him in his intelligence. He could defend himself and evaluate and be ga- evaluate better and be much harder to gaslight or defeat because that's his strong point, you know? I so can see that I, because I think uh, my experience has been that um, a lot of the guys that'll go into forums will be very different in the forum than they will be in real life. Uh, I, I don't know that many, but like I've, I've met a few where I feel like in, you know, they present as like really sort of like level headed, you know, almost, almost like kind of bland and um, just totally like you wouldn't expect has sort of like raging 
you know, feelings about stuff. <laughs> if that makes sense, you know, like, yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, like a, you know, like a typical Asian dude that you would know in the office or something like that. And then they have an online life where it is full of, uh, you know, certain kinds of uh, passions and rages and stuff that. Uh, it seems quite at odds with the person that you would see in normal condition, in normal life. And I feel like that the extent to the, which they're wrestling with the animal, with, with the Asian woman in the, in the, in the image of WMAF online, it's their sort of inferior selves that is coming out in those kinds of posts and, and things like that. So I think this kind of makes sense. So, so, so I guess, I guess if in their mind, the Asian woman, I mean, not all Asian women, but specifically the Asian women in this pairing that's kind of like their Moby Dick, their their, their fixation, is like this animus hound. Then um, I think the two questions is to ask, like, what is their self-perceived weak point? I mean, I would think that would be the masculinity question that keeps coming up. Is that what they perceive this woman dismissing, attacking, or whatever? You know, like, is, is that what they feel like she's doing? Or is there another uh, less obvious weak point that uh, these animus towns. Well, um, well, well again, I mean, I think I think and- a lot of what's going on here, uh, the specific spin on it in in terms of this WMAF fixation that I'm talking about is race, and the inferior yeah. function in many ways is race, and that they're always saying, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's really tough because you can't change you that. Can't change I, at least if it's just your masculinity. Right. At least if it's your masculinity, you can theoretically become more right. masculine. You can never actually. Yeah, and, and I think that there are. Ex- extreme cases and i think this is quite rare but there are extreme cases where people start to have like a real desire to be white um phys- physically yeah. you know like I, I, they've people have suggested that this happens to asian people um in extreme cases like i i totally would not suggest that this is even close to widespread but that there if you want to look at edge cases i think there was a guy named alex Tizon, uh, was it Alex Tizon? Yeah, I think it might have been Alex Tizon. Who? He's the guy that wrote "My Family Had a Slave." That 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 article in um oh yeah yeah, yeah the Filipino yeah. American guy, and he wrote a book called "Little Big Little Man" or "Little Little Big Man." Um, and he talked a lot about his father being this sort of like emasculated man, Asian man, and how he himself like really, really just. I don't know if it was so much he wanted to be white so much as he didn't want to be Asian and took to trying to lengthen his spine through exercise, like these weird stretching exercises that I think ended up hurting him. And uh, there was uh, a podcast um, on Invisibilia about WMAF. And it there was a, he wasn't the main focus of the pod, but they talked about to this guy. He was a young Asian guy who was, I remember, I think, he had overheard his sister telling his mom that she found Asian boys disgusting and she didn't want to go to prom with one. And that sort of spiraled him into this. Yeah. And this was like one of many incidents of uh, sort of like his, his dealing with like racial bullying and, and that ended up with him. What was he trying to do? Like he he was, he, he took a, uh, Asians are known to have like really like we don't have nose bridges. That's like an Asian thing. Like we have very, we don't have a prominent nose bridge. And uh, so he would take like binder clips, put them on his like nose bridge to try and like force his force his nose to like build a bridge, uh, you know, like stuff like that. Uh, and, and in a way, like if it wasn't racial, you know, you, you they wouldn't have to deal with this stuff. They 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 could just like you know work out or or uh, you know I don't know. 
public speaking yeah. lessons or something. I don't know, fucking take dance lessons. But like when it's race, it's like you can't just change your race. But I mean, you see edge cases where people are actually trying to, to you know, change Asian characteristics and stuff like that. Oh, I could totally, I could totally believe it. But I think it's also, I think, okay, take there's a, there's a, okay, take there's a guy who thinks this masculinity is the problem. And, you know, you can uh, change your masculinity, you know, at least. So there's like a little bit of hope there. But, um, take the other guy who thinks it's um race and even though you realistically can't change your your race uh say that they're delusional enough to think they can and they're doing that those extreme stuff i mean it won't work but at least the idea of thinking that is possible i think i think in general with shame the idea that you can change it i think is a great way to siphon off a lot of more toxic behaviors because at least you can see or imagine something that you can do that makes you feel better but i think what happens to the person who a thinks it's race but has but fully realizes i can never be white and i think that's probably where the real toxic or messed up stuff comes out you know what i mean because uh because what are your options then what well, can you I, I, I think the do? option and and uh, I, I got to get I have we have a pod to do at 10 uh, and I want to maybe we should okay. do a, a follow up to this because I found that this is oh, really yeah, super yeah. interesting okay. and helpful for me uh, in trying to figure out what's going on. I think that I'll posit that maybe what this means is that because these fragmentations or these um the shadow and, and, and all these, this sort of like incoherence is in a way reinforced by race, which is not something that can be changed. That the options, because they're so limited for an Asian man who's struggling with a sort of racialized in decoherence or whatever you want to call this, uh, the only option really is sort of like going to just sort of grappling with integration, right? Uh, instead of playing this game of sort of flip-flopping between two different personas or a shadow self in a, uh, you know, like the only option might be integration, right? Is to really kind of work through, uh, you can't play this game of sort of flip-flopping between these sort of two selves. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, I think that Elliot Roger became the guy who got to the point where he convinced himself was all about race and hit that wall where he realized this is the one thing I can't change. Like he was, like he realized he was saying stuff like, "I can go to pickup forums and and hack masculinity because it doesn't matter." I'm, you know, I'm just never going to be seen as white, and it's all about race. And that I think the idea of there's something that you can call it like the race pill. I don't know if anybody's coined that, but it's something where um, people hit the point where they take uh, the race pill. Like say, like Elliot Rogers took the race pill. I think if people start taking the race pill and accepting it as an unchangeable thing. And they are averse to integration. They're too possessed by their shadow or whatever. I think that Elliot Roger thing. Well, he's an very extreme case, but you know that 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 sheer toxicity. I think is kind of uh, the problem because I think anytime you get buy into something, because because that's where like white nationalists and those those white incels kind of come from, right? This kind of idea that everything is unchanging. It's a very common thing in the incel thing. Like none of this can be changed. So what do I do now? I think think that's, that's I think that's something that Asian guys grapple with. And I think that's why this fixation is so, it's so, um, there's so much inertia to it. Like it's so, this fixation is so fixated. If that that makes sense, like it, it, it's so rigid. rigid. It's extremely rigid and, 
and I think it's because it's it, it is it is caused by and reinforced by race. And uh, oh, 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 here's here's a great here's a great connection that that just came to me right when you just said that causing whatever race. Like when you go from thinking like masculinity is something that you do or achieve, or if it be or masculinity is your race, like masculinity is white or masculinity for some people like Ali Roger, like looking at athletes, like he had a fixation with black guys too. Like, you know, uh, but if masculinity is race, so yeah, some people, mm-hmm. there's you might have two Asian guys talking about masculinity, but one of them is talking about masculinity as something you can do or something you, you can achieve like through weightlifting through doing this and then to another guy when we talk about masculinity he's just talking about whiteness two people might be talking about two different things even though they're using the word masculinity one of them might be talking about what you said like whiteness race and the other person might be talking about you know i'm going to go to the gym i'm going to um become a pickup artist i'm going to improve my social life you know uh and i think that's an interesting thing like to talk about more like what are people talking about when they talk about masculinity like like you know when you see the color blue do you see the same thing that i oh, see oh i see I what see you're saying blue? yeah yeah i think yeah we should do a follow because i think i mean look man I, I i really think that the situation is not great for asian dudes in this regard i mean i don't want to say like it's all encompassing, but I do think that there is, in my opinion, a widespread problem because it's just it's just too it's just too consistent for this not to be a real social f- psychological phenomenon like that. Like, and I've been seeing this for a long time now. Like, I've been online for a long time, and I've been involved in race discussions for a long time now. On on not a long time, but like long enough, you know, like. To, to start picking up this pattern. And it doesn't take very long to pick up this pattern in the Asian discussions. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I feel like the internet is like dog years. Like, I think uh, <laughs> a couple of years of the internet is like, yes. it's like, th- yes. it's like th- three, three it, lifetimes. It is. It, right? It's yeah, amazing. I, mm, uh, because because it, it revamps itself uh, over and over again. Like, you know, like, like, like the internet of the 2000s is like a whole different world than the internet of the 2010s. So in a way, it's like you almost lift your regeneration <laughs> just in 10 years I mean, years you had online. said something about the internet being a force multiplier. And I, I guess I am slightly obsessed with this topic just because I'm like, there, there's been too much digital ink spilled on this for for someone to not come along and like at least try to make sense of what the fuck is going on. You know what I mean? Like, And, and, and you know what? I, 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 have a good, I have a good framework for where we can go with this because there's three articles and we already started on one. I think we should continue with this article and then go to the second one. But I'm, I'm going to send you the, the three. And uh, I think uh, one is like the four roles Describe the persona, the anima slash animus, and the shadow. Because I think we shouldn't take for granted that people know what those basic terms are. I think we should continue this anima possession article, but we should also do the article on the animus hound. Because yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see if once the animus hound is uh, described, does it match? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? And the last thing I'll say, I know you have to go, but I think something that should be interesting to talk about too is. To a degree, does this animus hound that they, even if it's just a handful of people with prominent platforms, let's say some blue checks who go online and talk about MR Asians all the time and spread these negative, or or like how uh, Frank Chin describes the, the author of the Joy Luck Club, like to a degree, does this uh, animus hound exist, even if it's just a vocal minority? And you know, to what extent is there like a real target that allows these people to keep getting angry because they're like as long as i focus on these three or four people you know i have this real life manifestation of this person i created that can keep fueling yeah me. yeah yeah let's yeah. uh let's tee that up man because i i mean i i i think that 
Uh, when I asked you that question about you know this Jungian thing, I mean, I I kind of already felt like I, I was start I was I was seeing something. I was like, I, I just I just definitely need to run this by you because I think there's something to it. I think it might be relevant in some respect to what's going on with the black discourse online around interracial relationships and oh, stuff. For, oh, and, oh, for sure, oh for sure, yeah. for sure. And I want to talk about that too because I think um, this new wave that we're seeing is very much because with that with that um, movie to all the boys there was a big crosstalk between like this new wave of black women who the, the mostly young girls but there's, there's some older women who kind of connect with the younger girls who um i think they all, they all came out out of tumblr who have this uh white worshiping um ethos to them you know they're they always talk about i'm the white man's whore and they're always doing all this stuff they're, they're kind of these female edge these these black girl edgelords who are uh, part of their the edgelord stick is to say these kind of weird self-hating white worshiping um things and just call it a joke and stuff and and i think a lot of these dynamics are coming into play with with them and what that's really interesting is i feel like in the old days if you look at movies like jungle fever and like queen atifa's character telling off wesley snipes because you came there with the white woman like i feel like we've gone to this weird place where in the old days you know when uh black men were angry at black women's interracial relationships they were kind of jealous of the white man and when black women were mad at black men's interracial relationships, they were kind of jealous of the white woman. Whereas now, I think the black men when they're mad at interracial relationships are still jealous of the white man. But in the black female discourse, some kind of switch has happened. I don't know when it's happened, but now you have the black women who are mad at the black male interracial relationships are jealous of the black man and his access to white like you know they're not jealous because they want a black man for themselves they're jealous because they want a white man for themselves and seeing the black man getting a white woman is a reminder to them that they're not getting the white man that they want and it's a very that we may need to read that other (laughs) animals that other article yeah 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 Um, yeah all right, so so I, I guess we can figure out what we're going yeah, to do. Just with let this me know. One. I mean, we I would love to uh, yeah. release it, and and I don't know how you feel about it, but maybe we could like, if if you think it's interesting for champagne sharks, uh, let me know. You know, uh, what do? You, uh, there's also an option. We can yeah, cross yeah, like cross post that would be stuff. cool. Because then they can introduce uh, people to each other's podcasts. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not a, I'm not. I, I just want to get the, I just want to get the content out there because I think it, it might be useful yeah. for people. I think these are new discussions that I've like probably Asian people have not heard before. I've not heard it before, and it yeah, yeah for product sure, yeah, for I think sure. of us talking sure. a lot and, about this stuff. So yeah, oh, all right. So I'm gonna send you those three articles, and we'll uh, we'll figure it out. But all right, uh, yeah. thanks, Teen. This was Teen's idea. This was Teen's idea. So I can't even say you know thanks for coming on so much as thanks for um, inviting me to have this discussion because I think it's a pretty interesting discussion. I'm glad uh, we had it. And let's uh, continue. Continue all right, this. It'll be uh, pretty cool. Let's do it in a couple of days. Actually, sure. I think I think momentum is okay. important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send me the articles. I'll read up. And all we'll right, do cool. it again. All, all right, right, sounds good, man. Thanks, be good. All right.